All right, welcome to Bonehead. I'm Joe Lewis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Never do a Spies Like Us joke before the show. See, we did a dick for Joe. <gasps> we ready? All right, I think we're going to start this episode. We'll go ahead and game you face good? Chad. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not going I, first, I can tell you that I, much. And Chad I love James. your Muttley impersonation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a worst. <laughs> Whatever. And scene. All right, welcome to Bonehead. Today is part two of movies that we think are hidden gems. That's right, movies that are really good that people have forgotten about. Roll credits. I don't have anything else yeah, to say. Like... <laughs> We're comedied out. Did we blow our best load in between shows? Stupid dickers. <laughs> Not to be confused with Ditka. Don't you mock Ditka. Anyway, so on this episode, I'm told I'm to shut the hell up and let James go first. Mm. Go first, I shall. Uh, let's start with brain donors. Brain donors. So, brain donors is a, a great movie. It's a great. It's comedy. A great movie. I I really it's love. I really like brain, brain donors. I love wordplay. If you like wordplay, just quick. Uh, one of the reviews of it said at the time was that the jokes actually came too quickly. Um, it was produced by uh, the Zuckers, David and Jerry Zucker. It was actually filmed as lame ducks, and if you watch the beginning of the movie. Uh, in the end of the movie, there's claymation ducks, and it doesn't make sense why the movie called Brain Donors. It's directed by Denny Dennis Dugan. Yes. Yep. Who would go on to make all those crappy Adam Sandler Same films? Movie. Yeah. Uh, but this one, John Turturro, is basically a remake of uh, A Night at the Opera mm -hmm. and A Little Bit of a Day at the Races, which are two Mark Brothers films. They updated it. Uh, this is not the original cover that would have been on VHS. The original cover on VHS Haley uh, set up and walked a candle over. In the tradition of uh, the... We need a candelabra. Um, anyway. Under the candelabra. I will be having sex with a man. <laughs> okay, then. Anyway, uh, Brain Owners is a lot of wordplay. It's an update of the Marx Brothers. John Turturro more or less plays the Groucho Marx role. Mm-hmm. And then you have Harpo and uh, Harpo. Those other two guys at Art John um, Turturro. Who have went on to do other stuff as well. But um, You can find but them the at reason, the nearest homeless shelter. The reason that most people don't know about this was it actually was going to have a huge press campaign. They were all excited about it, blah, 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 blah. And then Paramount got mad because uh, the Zuckers left Paramount. Is that what it happened? That's I don't know. I was wondering. Because um, I didn't see it till later on. I never remember that going It didn't years. get a release. It got released into a handful of theaters to say it had been released to honor the contract. Uh -huh. But they were going to do a big push for it because the Zuckers had made them tons of money. When the Zuckers say, hey, we were getting offered more money somewhere else, and Paramount went, well, we're the ones that made you famous. They thought the Zuckers would fold. Didn't happen. Um, so they had this big press release. It was going to be released as Lame Ducks, which is what the Zuckers wanted to call it. The slogan that they came up for was, in the tradition of the Marx Brothers or Three Stooges and the Reagan administration. <laughs> um, and, oh, Zuckers. And Paramount dumped all of that, and they cut the funding for it. They cut everything. 
it never got a wide release that it should have got because they actually had already done the press stuff. They were going to do badges and stuff for theaters. They had all that stuff. For badges? Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. badges. Anyway. Badgers? Um, badgers? <laughs> we don't mushroom, know. mushroom. Badger 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 badger, 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 badger. I almost, by the way, put UHF on my list. No, I, no, it's not a hidden gem. I don't but, think so either. I, but I think Brain Donors is Brain Donors is, is in definitely. In fact, that, may, that and Quick Change may be the two um, biggest hidden gems. Brain Donors, though, basically the plot is that um, John Turturro's character, who is Flack Fizer, is a literally ambulance-chasing lawyer. Uh, he has a great line that my wife quotes all the time. I saw the whole thing. I'll represent either side. He's he's this horrible lawyer. And uh, he represents... Uh, their, uh, he gets involved with this well-to-do widow. Her husband recently passed... Uh, Lillian Oglethorpe and she, her husband leaves in his will that he wants to establish a ballet company. Judge Turo has no interest his character Flag Father has no interest in the ballet company till it comes out that whoever runs the ballet company receives a per diem of $160,000 a year and then all of a sudden he decides that he is the name in ballet. And, I'm sorry. And it, it <laughs> literally goes slap stick um Rocco Melanchek, uh, who is that guy? Um, he is a cab driver, uh, and Flagfather represented his wife, ex-wife, in the divorce, and basically they end up teaming up anyway. And Jock works for Lillian Oglethorpe, ends up getting fired. He hires him just because it makes the other attorney mad, and it's slapstick and it's nonstop. It's a lot of Marx Brothers, but there's a lot of wordplay back and forth and all that stuff, and it's literally stupid fun. Yeah, and I when I this is what this was the movie that I was going to bring up that I knew I knew instantly this was going to be James's yeah. number one pick, so I I didn't, <clears throat> but I kind of just stumbled into this one. I did too. Yeah, it, I just picked it up on Brain Donors. What's this, John Turturro? Because John Turturro is one of my favorite actors of all times. Uh, Barton Fink, watch it. Um, yeah. So I watched it, and I didn't know that it was basically the Marx Brothers. And when I and I'm a huge fan of the Marx Brothers, next to Abbott and Costello, I think they're the. Two well, throughout with Laurel and Hardy. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Laurel and Hardy. Why not Oliver? I just I never did get the humor. It's two different types of humor. Yeah, one's yeah. vaudeville, one's. Yeah. Um, but uh, I watched it, and I could not stop laughing. And to this day, I will still laugh at jokes in that movie. No, it's, well, and what's funny is it's PG. I saw this first with my dad. Um, and it's just so many lines that I wish I could get away with you losing, or yeah, I'm sorry, using when he's walking out of the one ballet star they're trying to recruit and he's trying to basically get him to recruit and he says, no, there's a young woman waiting outside and as he opens the door to go out and he goes, and you should definitely have that rash check, sir. It's very infectious. And he walks out and of course, you know, the woman runs off. Yeah. It's, it's literally it's stupid stuff like that. John but there's a lot of, <laughs> at one point, one of them storms into a room and one of them says, why didn't you knock? I use a better grade of gas. It's stupid wordplay like that, but it's really a lot of fun. It's PG. I saw it for the first time with my dad and my dad rolled laughing at it. Uh, and my dad's not the biggest Marx Brothers fan, but he loved this. And so I can remember I rented it from, um, what was the movie warehouse in Moorhead, Kentucky? Had it on VHS. And I just remember my dad laughing at it rolling and I loved it too. And it's, yeah, I just love it. So, uh, 
if you want an update to the Marx Brothers, probably the most faithful update we've had yeah. in tone. I, I totally agree um, with that. It's very much a Marx Brothers film. Uh, and it's over the top, and it doesn't make sense. I mean, as far as they, of course, do slapstick and stuff that you couldn't actually get away with, but it's just fun. Yeah. That's it. That's okay. The brain donor's comedy. I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but I think I caught it on the satellite <clears throat> or something. Am I going next? Sure. Okay. So, uh, my movie, uh, it has an all-star cast, and a lot of people don't remember it. And we actually brought up, uh, it actually got brought up in a conversation I was having with some uh, co-workers, and I was like, oh, i got to bring this up for the episode. Um, you okay? <laughs> that la- yeah, in? That laugh killed my lungs. Why don't you lungs. smoke another one? <laughs> Um, you'll be smoking in purgatory. You'll be smoking in purgatory anyway for your dick for so <laughs> you jerk. Yeah, so, anyway, so here's the cast: Michael Keaton, Batman, Peter, Peter Boyle, Batman, Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein's monster, um, Christopher Lloyd, Batman, and Flounder from Animal House. Dream Team, Batman. James got it. Dream Team. I'm sick of Batman. <laughs> Dream Team is one of my favorite comedies from the 80s. It's about four mental patients. If you pick up every piece of trash between here... Sorry. Yeah, it's about four mental patients who um, go out for a uh, baseball game with their psychiatrist. Their psychiatrist gets mugged and knocked out. Played by that guy with the cool beard that was in all those 80s movies with cool beards. Yes. Right? Yes, and I I never remember, and I I was going to look up his name and I'm like... it was an episode of Law and Order the other day, and I thought, "Jesus, that beard still looks pretty That's good." That's the only, and I wonder if he John still has, has the beard. beard. I kind of want to look him up and see if he still has the beard, and if he's still working because of the beard. He should. That beard's amazing. Yeah, oh God, it was so well kept. Yeah, <laughs> but I, anyway, my beard desires to be that beard. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe has beard envy. So basically, it's about these beard uh, envy. So these four mental patients, they they lose their doctor, and they go about town. Um, and let, for that beard. So let's let's go down. So uh, Michael Keaton has anger issues. He's he's easily flipping on. Uh, he Very much a riff on uh, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Nest. Yes. Um, Christopher Lloyd is OCD. Pretends he's a doctor. Yep. Peter Boyle is a nudist who thinks he's Jesus. As and, one does. And Flounder is just a quiet guy who doesn't say a lot, other than he he I believe he just says the scores of baseball games. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Oh, it's such a great movie. And there's one scene where Peter Boyle, Peter Boyle goes into a, uh, an African-American church and just starts preaching <clears throat> to these people and getting them real, really wild, riled up. And then he just starts removing his clothing. <laughs> I don't even remember <laughs> bit that. Bit by bit. And it's just, and it's, it's, it's great character development. Each character slowly comes back to normalcy mm-hmm. from the, the being, being, you know, wrapped up in a mental institution for years. Um, it's a great movie. I highly recommend it. The director, he went on to direct, direct My Girl. Oh. And he directed the main event, if any of you, one of you remember the main event. I remember the main event, but My Girl. That has one of the funniest endings of any movie oh in my history. <laughs> I laugh so much when she's at that coffin crying about Macaulay Culkin and all them damn bees. That made it, it made me go out and buy a lot of honey. <laughs> Look at him. Little bastard's dead. <laughs> Slapped his face one too many times, screaming. <laughs> so I don't know how you, I don't know if you all think that's a hidden gem. For me, it's a hidden gem because a lot of people haven't heard of it, and I loved it. I, I don't remember do. it being a hidden gem. I, I'd have to see it again. It's been a long time. I, I was not, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't in love with it. I, 
one point I want to half the cast is dead now. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, Flounder's dead. So is Peter McNichol. Peter and Boyle. by that I mean Peter, Peter McNichol is not dead. Peter McNichol, you're not. Please dead. come yeah, on Bonehead. You're friends with. You're friends with. Uh, he could be in the Freak League. Oh yeah, he well John he was on the yeah, he was on an episode of Big Bang Theory last yes, week. Yes, he was as a freak. Yeah. All right, Joe, what's on your? Were list? they ever really here? Sorry, we saw the Big Bang episode. This one I'm pulling out of my. I've got. All right. I'd heard about this movie all my life, and we were making a joke before the episode, and I almost said it, and I didn't. And I finally it came out on Blu-ray in a really expensive case, and then, and then they had a bare bones version, and I just went ahead and bought the bare bones version because I wanted to see it. And I'd heard about it and read about it, and there's this guy named William uh, Freakin. William Freakin directed The Exorcist and The French Connection. <clears throat> and when he was done with The Exorcist, he wanted to remake a movie called The Wages of Fear. And it's based on a book, too. It's about a famous book. book. <laughs> and what it's about is it's basically in South America, and it's about these men who come from different countries. Um, one of them is played by Roy Scheider. He's the, he is the uh, hero, and he's an American. And they all come from things that they had to get away from. And they're paid to drive dynamite across a jungle, and it's called Sorcerer. Wow. And the reason it's called Sorcerer... What? Okay, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, kind of shocked you bringing this one up, but go ahead. Why? Because I don't think it's a hidden gem, as in that it's, was I'm, it was his follow up to The Exorcist, and everybody and nobody knows saw it. it. And nobody saw it. Yeah. So I don't. Okay. Keep going. That's what I meant by a hidden gem. Nobody's yeah. seen it. Have you ever seen it? I've actually never seen it, but I just know that I know of it because of the fact that it's a he, huge it was his follow up to his Exorcist, and it was a huge bomb. So that's huge why I don't think it's really a hidden they, gem. Because people know it, because they, people know that the movie, this movie, that yeah, bombed, but I don't know what but nobody people knows have seen what it. it. I've never seen. I, I, I know a lot of film geeks who've seen it, but up until really recently, you really couldn't watch it. Yeah, and you couldn't watch a really good print of it. If yeah. you could get one, it was usually bootleg. It came Why is out. It called Sorcerer. The this one of the trucks is called Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. I, it's the world's worst title. Yeah, in my opinion, it's just well, still you don't, you don't follow up the Exorcist with a movie called Sorcerer and it not be about a sorcerer. It well, isn't absolutely. That, when when I, I heard this, when I when I when I heard that this was his follow up, and I didn't know about the movie, I'm like, oh, it must have been a movie about a magician. Magician. No, it totally ruins it. One of the trucks is called Sorcerer. It's a terrible title, and I'll give you a little history about it. So he wanted to go and he wanted to do it for real. A lot of people almost almost got killed and yeah. hurt making it. If you watch it, you're thinking, holy. I'm going to, holy shit, they've really shot this. This is pre-CGI. There's no wires here. They, these people were crazy. Yeah. They're out in the middle of the rainforest in the jungle doing this thing. Similar to probably Fitzcarraldo, if you're a Werner, a Werner Herzog. Yeah. You know, they actually went and shot that. <clears throat> but I, I think people know Fitzcarraldo a little bit better, or have at least seen scenes from it. Sorcerer was going to star Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen wanted to... He, he, they went back and forth, and of course, he was right off the exorcist. William Freakin was. He was at the height of his power, mm-hmm. right? Well, he could see, do whatever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted. You got to remember, the exorcist was huge. Yeah. And then before that, he made the French connection, and that was huge, and he won Oscars. He do whatever in the hell he wanted to do. So, Steve McQueen wanted to shoot it here. He was, uh, it was, he just, uh, Ali McGraw, is that who he was married to at the time? I or think so. They, they got together. He wanted to put her in the movie. William Freakin said no. And then he said, well, I want to shoot it here. And William Freakin said, no, we're going to the jungle. 
And later on, William Friedkin has said in interviews, oh, if he had to do over, he said, Roy Scheider's a great actor. Everybody he's in it is a great actor. But I should have done whatever it took to get Steve McQueen in mm -hmm. that movie. Yeah. I should have done whatever it took to get Steve McQueen in that movie. It's not that the movie would have been any better. That wasn't his point at all. It would have been a different movie. But guess what? It came out the same year as... Star Wars. And people would have probably went more to see it if it had who? Steve McQueen. You need to star to anchor it. William freaking at the height of his power, still isn't what? He's not a star. Directors aren't. Yeah. I mean, not, not to that certain... Mm -hmm. Even today, there's certain movies like, ah, oh, Spielberg, you'll probably you know, have a fairly decent, but it's not the same as The Rock. Mm -mm. No, no. Well, and it's the same... <clears throat> Once again, that's a joke that I always make is... People know who's starring a movie. If I say, oh, it's a rock movie, you'll go through a catalog of movies of rock. If I say, oh, it's directed by Stephen Summers, okay, certain people will be... If it, I say it was written by... Nobody's going to... No, no. It's Diminishing Returns. Sorcerer, actor, di or actor, director, writer. Sorcerer Sorry, is right. a... Uh, I it. watched it, and, and I loved it in the sense of I couldn't... If you know anything about film... And watching it and knowing how it was made, it's incredible. The only criticism I could throw at it is it takes that thing from The Exorcist of that whole opening, I want to call it a, a prologue, mm -hmm. a prologue of The Exorcist, and makes that a little too damn long. Yeah. Of following these characters into the, how do they ended up in the jungle. Roy Schotter comes from a shady past. The Frenchman comes from a shady past. And it takes quite too long to get there. Mm -hmm. It's the only lob criticism I can lob at. It is a wonderful movie. It is on the edge of your seat. And if it had been called The Wages of Fear, Sorcerer is a terrible title. One of the trucks is called Sorcerer. It's the only reason I know you'd call it Sorcerer. Hmm. So, if you can, find Sorcerer. It's a little harder. Most of the things we've talked about are fairly easy to find, except for Quick Change. I don't yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't looked that up. I don't know where you would find Quick Change. But Sorcerer, you can buy if you're a William Freakin' fan. Definitely check that out. Uh, and then you can, we can talk about Cruising, which was his follow-up to that, about Al Pacino tracking down gay men and gay clubs who are killing one another. <laughs> oh, have you guys seen it? Oh, it's um, graphic for um, 1980. Yeah, I've seen parts of it. It's graphic. Shoo. James. It's a good movie, though. Keep going. Up. All right. I want to go from a comedy to one of the darkest movies I've ever seen. I knew he was going to do this. The Grey Zone. Haven't you talked about The Grey I Zone I have never before? heard of The Grey I Zone. I love The Grey Zone. So The Grey Zone uh, came out at a time when people didn't want to watch uh, dark, dark films. Um, came out after September 11th. Um, it was, so it's based on a book. Uh, which is Auschwitz, a doctor's eyewitness account, which was written by, I'm sure I'm going to slaughter this, Dr. Really. Dr. Miklos Nyavsky. And now the as truth... As long as his last name's not Guitar, he'll be fine. <laughs> the, the story behind that was, he was a Jewish doctor. They took him and his family, and they divided them up, as they did. And he was going to be killed, except a doctor, Mengele, saw him and said that Jew has talent. And so he actually put him to work. Um, he built him a special chamber to do experiments in. Uh, you can go to the Candles Museum in Terre Haute, Indiana and find out about what Mangala's experiment. He worked on twins to see 
how he could do one. That way he had a control because this was before we could do genetic screening. Anyway, Mengele was a horrible human being. Um, anyway, the, the eyewitness count. Um, making this hard to do jokes. Dr. Miklos Naosi lived long enough. He died in the 50s, late 50s. He lived long enough to write his eyewitness accounts. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson adapted one chapter into this movie. Uh, and it's called The Gray Zone. Is it directed by Tim Blake Nelson? Uh, it, let me see. Actually, I don't know if he directed it or not. That's a good question. Uh, filmed by Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, I did not know huh. if Tim Blake Nelson directed that. Um, Tim, no. Tim Blake Nelson would be uh, the master from The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> or he would be the third guy from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. So Tim Blake Nelson uh, became obsessed with this story, and he actually did it as a play originally. Uh, and he wanted to turn it into a movie. And this, if you can't see it, uh, this has a great cast. It's uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, Harvey Keitel, great actor. Uh, David Arquette. Um, David Arquette, by the way, in this movie. One of these things doesn't belong. No, one David Arquette things. in this movie belongs. Because I felt the same way when I first saw him. I'm like, how did David Arquette get in this job? He has probably the most heartbreaking scene in the movie to me. Um, Mira Servino, uh, Daniel Benzali. Oh, yeah, from um, the Benzali clan. And uh, Natasha Leon. Anyway, they built, rebuilt a 90% uh, scale model of Auschwitz for this in Hung Hungary. Because they wanted it to be accurate, but they couldn't film it, obviously. Because the story of this film is it's about the Sonderkommandos. Um, sometimes also called Uberkommandos. Basically, they were the Jewish people that... Not suburban Commando. Uh, it is not Suburban Commando. <laughs> Another Christopher Lloyd picture. Yes. An um, underestimated classic. Yes. Uh, they were basically the Jewish people no, that had such to... Such a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. It's like the song in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an end song, yes. Yeah. It's a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. Um, Are you going to beat my face? No, we're going to sue. Anyway. Commando. I don't remember this. The, the Sonder Commando were basically the Jews that had to get other people to go to the chambers. Oh. And the story behind this is... Damn you, Roberto Benigni. Just killing It's a little known story and to many people, but Auschwitz would have killed even more people, but one of their chambers were destroyed. And this is a story about actually how it was destroyed, about how they smuggled little packets of gunpowder on dead bodies because the men and women were separated. The women were the ones that normally had to throw the bodies into the incinerators. And so they would put it that way. If they went into the incinerator, you didn't get it. But they slowly built up enough gunpowder to blow one of them. And it's estimated that literally thousands and thousands of lives were saved because they were down one chamber the rest of the time. They never got it rebuilt before Auschwitz fell. Um, the ending of this movie... Is more depressing than the story. Yes. Uh, he's it already... is the... Uh, if Schindler's List has an effect on you, this movie will double it. Uh, I've never heard anybody that's actually seen this movie that the ending doesn't get to them. And if it doesn't get to you, don't talk to me. Because you're a terrible human being. Uh, it is the first thing that I can actually say that when I saw it, I actually I watched it alone. I was sitting on my couch. And there's some lulls in it. I'm not going to say it's 100%. But... Uh, there's a young lady in the movie, she's pictured on the back, but she is, um, she doesn't die in the gas chamber because people fall on her. And the Nazis, in the Space Century story, the Nazis keep her alive because they think it's just hilarious. She's lost the ability to speak, they think she has brain damage, so they just let her wander around. Um, 
that plays into it and what happens at the end. Um, David Arquette, like I said, if you think of him just as the guy that has Scream on his resume or Eight-Legged Freaks, um, he has literally one of the last lines of the uh, movie. And it is, to me, one of the most heartbreaking scenes. And if... Uh, I know I'm taking all the, the humor out of this show, but... And all yeah. the air out of the room. Yeah. That's what this movie does. And if it doesn't have an effect on you, I'm not kidding. Don't If you see it and it doesn't, don't talk I, to me. Sorry. Don't, uh, <laughs> I kicked Joe's bad ankle by accident. I'm so yeah. sorry. Um, what I will say about this, not only do I think it's a forgotten gem, um, Roger Ebert in 2009 said that it just came out at the wrong he time. He it out. And he, he, he named it as one of the best films that people never saw. Because it did get a very limited release. It uh, premiered at TIFF. The TIFF, uh, yeah, yeah, the and, Toronto Film Institute. Yep. And won the Freedom of Expression Award for telling a very important story, but it came out in 2000. It was going to come out in Christmas season 2001. Mm. It eventually got dumped in 2002. That's uh, when I wanted to go see at Christmas when the rest of the family was getting on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're off to see the incinerator, the uh, wonderful incinerator. But you can throw that choice. dick for out. I'm going to go see the gray zone. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all different people. Uh, this is no. It's, it's literally a movie that I don't watch and it a lot. Keeps going. Yeah, I don't watch it a lot, but it is a very powerful movie, uh, and I will defend it any day of the week. All right. So I was sitting here struggling about what movie to pick out, and, and James, now you have to follow that. Well, and James pretty much solidified what movie I'm going to bring up. Uh, documentaries are huge now. Everybody, everybody makes them. Everybody loves them. Um, there's one documentary that has been forgotten, in my opinion, and I think anybody should, everybody should watch it. The Aristocrats. That's not a hidden gem. I don't think that's a hidden gem. People don't talk you about it. You shit about Sorcerer? That's not a hidden See, gem. I was, How is that not a hidden gem? I was gem? wondering if you were going to go with F is for Fake, because I almost no, thought that. No, oh, F is for, for fake. fake is a good No, I don't, I think Aristocats has been forgotten. Well, yeah, but not the Aristocrats. What did I say? The Aristocats? Cat. Damn it. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cat. No, the Aristocrats. my mom calls it the Aristocaties. I feel like the Aristocrats has been forgotten. People don't talk about it. And it's one of the best comedy movies ever. I agree. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's fresh in my mind because Neil Gaiman writes about it from a view from the but, chief seats about seeing it and, and, and preparing himself for being a friend to Penn. Yeah. Of preparing himself for having that awkward conversation after it. Yeah. And then not having to have it because he loved it so much. Yeah. And the problem is... Because he thought the joke sucked anyway. We three really love that movie. Yeah. Haley, have you heard of The Aristocrats? Heard of it, haven't seen it. Well, yeah, but you could say that about 14,000 days. I don't feel like The Aristocrats is remembered. I don't feel like people talk about it as much as they should. And so what is would, The Aristocrats? Uh, so would you like to tell the people what it yeah. is, Chad? So The Aristocrats is a documentary where Penn, Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller goes and interviews many, many comedians. A lot of them dead now. A lot of them have Bob passed. Saget. Bob Saget. Um, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. God, Gilbert yeah. Godfrey. Uh, and I don't know why Andy Dick, but he told some of the funnier jokes in the movie. Andy Dick's a funny guy? Anyway. So the aristocrats don't want him my kids. is a punchline. It's the punchline of a joke. And not um, a really funny joke. Not a really no. funny joke about a family who goes into a, 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 a talent agent's office and performs a joke. Probably dates back to vaudeville. It's yeah, a vaudeville it, joke. It, it's yeah. a vaudeville joke. But what has happened is it has become an underground joke that comedians tell other comedians. 
and do it in the most filthy, disgusting way that you could possibly imagine. Every comedian has their version of the aristocrat's joke. Each one is more disgusting than the next. Right. Um, and it's all, it's the whole, the whole documentary is different comedians telling their version of the aristocrat joke as well as other dirty jokes. And, and if you love Full House, you do need to watch it. Yeah, and, if, and most people who are fans of Full House, I didn't know this, still don't know the Bob Saget. Really? There are several people I work with who love Full House, and I ruined ruined it for them by telling them about Bob Saget. Have they never seen him do live? They've never no. seen him. They watch Full House. So if you're not a if you're not a fan of comedians, like well the three of us are, I think the three of us are. Bob Saget ha, um, is mostly known for Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos. He's a he's known for this wholesome image. But what a lot of but some people don't realize is Bob Saget is one of the filthiest comedians you will ever hear. Filthy, 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 like dirty filthy. minded. Well, yeah, like level. like you actually want to go puke in a trash can. And filthy. He's known for hooking up with young ladies who love Full House. Yes. I mean, and God bless him for it. Nobody way, I mean, he makes their whole thing consent. No yeah, one has yeah. came out on Bob. I Saturday mean, he's even made he's eaten. even made jokes about having sexual acts with the Olsen twins. Yes. Um, he is absolutely filthy, and there is a whole segment in the Aristocrats about how filthy Bob Saget Bob is. Bob Saget. There's a there's a there's a joke a comedian uh, a female comedian tells about a tampon with Bob Saget. That still makes me laugh. To this <laughs> that's day. what I was thinking about before you thought it. <laughs> yeah. Well, get this one. They'll think you're really tight. Tight. Oh, yeah. Joe just ruined the punchline. <laughs> I ruined it. But it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it's it, like I said, it was done by Pen uh, Gillette. It is a funny documentary. It is a great about, documentary. So about, it. And there's so many George people. Carlin's in that. Who else is in that? Robin Williams is in that. Yeah, any comedian you could think of is in it. Yeah. I think John Stewart, Bill Maher's in it. Yeah. Um, Drew's in it. Drew Carey. Well, Drew Carey. Drew Carey did a. Uh, if uh, speaking of Drew Carey, I know he's mostly known for The Prices right now, but in the in the late '90s, he did a joke. He did. He wrote a book called Dirty Jokes and Beer. It's over on my shelf. Highly recommend you read it. Especially yeah. for the 100 dick jokes he wrote in it. I don't remember. There's there's there's, there's like four or five pages dedicated to that. Um, but The Aristocrats, it is a very wonderful documentary, and it will keep you laughing for the hour and a half of its entirety. It will keep you laughing if you share the same sense of humor as the Boneheads. Yes, which is foul, dirty. Which means if you're on episode somewhere in the 40s, that you probably do, that if you didn't, you would have stopped watching us. You know, though, I was going to say, it's the most Puritan-esque of the Boneheads. Which is horseshit, by the way, yeah, for the yeah, people that know yeah. behind that. Yeah. Well, no, it's no, more but, of a Bob Saget thing. No, no, I was about to say, though, but I mean, I probably don't have... You curse less. You, well, and I also, I mean, there's some stuff that I don't find as funny. That being said, I think the reason why Aristocrats works for me is not all of the jokes land for me. But when they do, they they bang hard. If he says, for some of the stuff you don't find funny, I want to remind him of a car trip where he wrote the whole thing where the last part is ape. Yo, yep. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to Louisville with that one. <laughs> and if we ever saying. do that skit, it'll be all oh. that Joe and Chad. Yeah, no, but you know what's funny is when we do write stuff, and if you haven't watched Murder Virgin yet... <laughs> yeah, um, go Murder Virgin. Watch Murder Virgin. Yeah. It's on our YouTube page. It's a short film we made. But people always, uh, if you know us really, really well, you can tell who wrote what. 
But there's every blue moon where somebody's like, no, that had to be wrote by. No, 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 no it wasn't. No. That was that was it's like Blazing Saddles and bringing in Richard Pryor, and he wrote none of the of the black jokes. He yeah. wrote all the Mongo stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mongo, but Pawnee Pawn Game, game of God. Life. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, so right. yeah, the aristocrats. I can't believe you don't think it's a hidden gem. I think a lot of people know it. No, I don't consider that a hidden gem, but I think it's a wonderful movie. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's been forgotten. Now I want to go watch it. It's like in the mouth of madness. I, 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 I actually want to sit here and go watch Brain Donor and Mouth of Madness Brain Donors to laugh again because yeah, and Quick Change aristocrats i watched quick change a while back and i haven't watched aristocrats in a while yeah and followed up with this wholesome dose of no, the gray zone i don't james i don't know if i can watch it no it is <laughs> if I've, you I've, depressed the crap out of me i wanted to cry all right if you like history it's it's, it's relevant is it my turn and history and tears the trail, the trail tears. tears yeah <laughs> here's a blanket Chad. oh, <laughs> oh my god oh is that dark too soon? Too soon? No, I talked about a Holocaust film. I think you're covered. Too soon. All right. Here's mine, and it came out a few years ago. In 2006, there was three movies that came out that were fantastic. And I can't remember what the third one is. <laughs> so there were two that were really good, really great. Holy one cow. What year was it? Best Picture, 2006. What one Best Picture? Ten Years, Pan's Labyrinth. The one that, don't say what I'm about to say. Because <laughs> I know you know There was another one. It, it won, Pan's Labyrinth came out, and I thought that was fantastic. And it was. It's a Guillermo del Toro film that he should have won the Oscar for. I like Shape of Water, but The Shape of Water is not the film no. that Pan's Labyrinth is. Agreed? Agreed? You think that was a political thing? Yes, that I they think they finally it gave for... it to him, yes. Because he is... Probably one of the most unique voices in, say, in, yeah, broad, in, in main main cinema today. He has a vision. He has and, a vision, and, and it carries through. It carries, yes, yeah. yes. Um, more so than Tim Burton, I think, in certain ways. And specifically, in the later part of Tim Burton's. Career. I'd say Crash uh, went to Tim Burton. Yeah, it wasn't Crash. Crash won no, Crash won the Best Picture in two thousand six. All right. Well, I, maybe it wasn't two thousand six, but Children of Men. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who in the hell talks about Children of Men? Uh, Same people that don't talk about aristocrats. Um, no, I was have say, a right to an opinion, if, especially <laughs> if you crapped on sorcerer. Anyway, um, no, no, I was Children say, of Men is I, one that nobody talks about. Uh, people that I there, there's one or two people we work with that I've had conversations with about it, but that that is it. It's who not, just know the book and read and who are yeah. just weird anyway. People, <laughs> people. If you're talking about Chris, yeah, <laughs> it's based on the Love book. You, Chris. <laughs> Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's based on the book written by uh, P.D. James. Mm-hmm. Wrote the novel. I've never read it. Have you read it? Mm-mm. Do you know P.D. James? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Then you went, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like you knew, mm-hmm. but you don't know shit Mm-mm. from Shinola. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know what Shinola is? I do. It's that stuff they put on shoes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, it, see, but people say shit from Shinola. And, and they no don't reference. know what that no is. Reference. Like Bogarting. Bogarting is probably even more that they have no idea what that refers to. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so it starred Clive Owen, Julian Moore, Michael Caine, uh, Chewie Edifor. I can never say his name. Yeah, best uh, one of the best villains ever. Fire Serenity, Serenity and Kinky yeah. Boots, and Kinky Boots. Yeah, he was a, he was a villain in Kinky Boots. It's directed by. Oh, Look it up, kids. Uh, uh, did that come out the same year as? Anyway, We're getting off track, Joe. Alfonso Cuarón directed. Alfonso Cuarón would go on. He he directed the third Harry Potter film. He directed a movie called Yo 
Tama Amblin. Yo, yo, mama, ta, yo, yo, Tumamblin. Uh, Ichu Mama Tambien. Yeah. yeah. Well, mama it's a great story Which about means, And your mother, too. Can he also do Gravity? Uh, yeah, well, hold on. He oh. would go on to win the Oscar for Gravity. And the problem with Gravity is that Gravity is an amazing film if you ever got to watch it in a huge screen in 3D. And if you watch it on HBO, on your, I don't care if you have 70-inch TV, it's, it's not, not the same thing. It's, it's yeah, not it the was, same experience. It was kind of No, it, it's the same argument that I can make. Star Wars, I w obviously grew up watching on a television set. When the special edition came out and I got to see Star Wars on a big screen... Yeah, it's a different experience. It, it felt different. <clears throat> the so ship battle for Children cool. of Men takes place in the future. It's once again a dystopian future, like most of them are. Yeah, there is no future where everything's bright and sunny. Yeah, next generation. Uh, yeah, but they're on a ship. You don't know what's going on on Earth. It could be a bell. No, no, they they actually refer to it as the paradise. Why don't you shut up? All the time. What? Get on with your day. Why damn... you gotta be all borgy bore? <laughs> anyway, Children of Men takes place in the future, and the human population is unable to have babies. And right at the first of the movie, there's a terrorist. <laughs> Look who's talking is worshipped as God. <laughs> Two, which made no sense. <laughs> who's talking now who's about talking the damn dogs? dogs. Danny DeVito. God. Um, anyway, and it starts with the youngest, the youngest person born has just been killed. Sa yeah, he was assassinated. And there's and it takes place in England. And England is one of the few countries that hasn't completely fell fallen apart. There's a resistant fighters who who are basically terrorists because they won't allow in refugees. They call them Fujis or whatever. Right? Yeah. And Clive Owen plays a guy who works some sort of corporate thing. His ex-wife, Julian Moore, accidentally gets him dragged into this thing that she's part of, this resistance group, and they have found a pregnant woman. And that's yeah. the plot. Mm -hmm. And getting the pregnant woman to this thing called the Human Initiative, or the Human... The Human League. The hum Don't. <laughs> Don't, Don't you, you want, want me. me. Now, isn't it the Human something? Yeah, it's... The just, Human yeah. Project, something like that. And to get her out of England, which is obviously boarded up, it has some of the most miraculous shots you'll ever see in it. No cuts, just all one take, and the cuts are hidden. Yeah, which he it, would do later in Gravity with even more. But the thing is, especially um, one of the more famous scenes from that movie, if you look at how he shot it, the Julianne Moore scene mm -hmm. in the car, uh, it's insane of how he kept that one shot going. Yeah. I highly recommend watching the how to how how they the making the, of the making, making of, of to see how they did that. It was so insane and um, creative, amazing. It is uh, it is a dark film. No, but it does have. I don't know that it has an upbeat ending, but it does have hope. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. There is hope, and I I I remember leaving the theater just thinking I'd been sucker punched in the best way possible. When you see a great film. That you have no idea that you're going to see a great film, that you don't know how good it's going to be, and you just feel sucker punched. It's one of the best feelings you can ever have, in my opinion. And Children of Men gave me that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't talk about it. It's still not brought up. It was on the other day, and I was watching it. It has great performances from everyone. And I, I highly recommend if you're into any kind, if you're into movies whatsoever, but if you're into science fiction, or at least futuristic. Check out Children of Men. And there's a scene with a crying baby at the end, and the world stops in oh. the middle of a war zone. Yeah, literally. The world stops. 
Um, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, if you're but watching this, you've probably seen Children of Men. But it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. It's 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 magical. It's the magic in the best way cinema can be, with visuals and very little sound. Yeah. Right. So, that's it. Children of Men. Okay. We gotta go through three more. Okay, James. Back go. to me. All right. I'm looking somebody up because I forgot. <laughs> I actually thought about talking about Dreams with Sharp Teeth, Hard Off, and the documentary we talked about before because it does have Neil Gaiman, it has Robin Williams, it has tons of other people he in it. Um, <laughs> and even though this wasn't a, a, a movie, uh, I thought about doing Dark Dreamers uh, where they did a lot of interviews. But actually, as I was sitting here, I was thinking about a movie that I love that uh, nobody knows anymore, and it's a big bummer to me. Um, so I want to take you back. There was a time... Welcome when, back. When um, there was an actor that is now known uh, for being a little terrible. Uh, but there was a time when he made really, really fun movies. He was in Vampires. Um, but James Woods, before he went over the top. Who? Uh, James, uh, Woods? James Woods? No, no, no. Go ahead. I want to see if you're doing what I think you're doing. Uh Teamed with a, a certain Lewis Gossett Jr. Yes, he's doing it! Oh, oh I forgot to bring this one up. Oh, I forgot and that made one what is oh, directed by Michael Ritchie, who made Bad News Bears. He was a fantastic director. Probably made Golden Child. I would it, has, argue, it has one of my favorite actors, the one other person you didn't mention. Oliver Platt. Oliver freaking Oliver Platt. Platt. Heather Graham? Uh, yeah, I know Heather Graham, but she's but, no, she's no yeah. Oliver Platt. Now, uh, if I had to have sex with one of them, and um, Bruce Stern, be Oliver Platt. Bruce, I will say, I will grudge. Flatliners, Oliver Platts. Bruce Three Stern, Musketeers, Oliver Platts. Bruce Stern's in it. Um, and it's, they remade it's, Flatliners. It's the film uh, Digstown. Now, if you've never uh, seen Digstown, Digstown's so good. It's a good movie. It's probably the third or fourth best boxing movie ever made. Ever made. And most people don't know about it. It was. Um, that is a hidden gem. Oh, the, yeah. The I can't movie, believe I forgot Digstown. Yeah. So basically the plot to the movie is Digstown is named after Charles Makem Diggs, which was this big boxer, and the boxing still goes on and all this stuff. And James Wood is just released from prison. He's a con man, all this stuff. Um, Oliver Platt plays another con man. You find out they're kind of in league with each other. And they go there because they know Honey Roy Palmer. Honey Roy Palmer is played by Louis Gossett Jr., who is this aging... African-American boxer. And basically, they end up doing the sucker bet that Honey Roy Palmer, even though he's old, will take on 20, any 20 men that Bruce Dern's character, who pretty much is the mayor and controls the town, and he's mm. crooked and all this stuff, in the ring. And if he wins, Bruce Dern loses everything. If Honey Roy Palmer loses, they, they, they're going to end up basically dead, effectively. I mean, yeah. he's going to arrest them. He's going to do all this stuff. Uh, the entire movie, though, is... I just love that movie. Um, so it goes back and forth, and who's really conning who, and what's going on. And there's so many... Uh, James Woods is an actor that I like. Uh, what he does in his personal life online, I could care less about. Yeah. Um, but he didn't really get that crazy though. To the last few years, I, don't, I think of... he's. I think he's always been crazy. I think he's been able to. 
it, social media wasn't around to allow him to express but, his insanity. But, you know, when you look at him in Vampires and digs down all that stuff, there's a certain schmarm, certain... He's got something that brings. The Hard Way? The Hard Way is um, another one. Yeah. And it's just such a great Directed by John movie. Bad. But it's... Uh, I love con pictures, first of all. So the Sting and all of that. These things Wrath aren't forgotten. Um, yes, Wrath of Khan, Joe. Why do you always have to make Star Trek references? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I love the Hoobians. <laughs> anyway. Woo, Wookiees. Uh, it is a great movie. Uh, it also stars, and I forget his name, but the guy that plays... Um, <laughs> yeah, from uh, Vigo. Vigo. Plays Charles Make Him Dig. And, He's and, dead now. And the background his on two, that. His two best movies, and they never allowed him to talk. Yep. He also has a cameo. Yeah, by, he also uh, has a cameo in uh, yeah. uh, Silence of the Hams. Oh, did he talk? At he's also things? in. No. Uh, no. He, he gets to talk in. He's in the Mouth of Madness. Oh, he's oh, the guy he that is. blows his brains out in the bar. He is. Does he talk in that? Yep. Oh, I gotta watch it. We gotta watch it. But anyway, hey, uh, Dick said you can get on DVD. Him. I actually owned the VHS. I loved it so much. I bought it on DVD when it came out. Does it? Is it on uh, DVD? Yeah, it's yes, on DVD. I've got it on DVD. I never I watched. Would, if they were come, by the way, if Shout or anybody happens to watch this, if you want to bring out a special edition, I'll buy it. I will buy it. I will say well. it right now. Give me whatever background info you can still dig up on that movie. You did say Randall Tex Cobb um, is in it, right? No, I didn't. No. Randall Tex Cobb's in it. Yep. But it is Never been knocked down. It is a a great movie. Come on, brothers at time. Um, mm-hmm. It is a, a great con movie, a great <laughs> boxing movie. There's parts of it that are funny. There's parts of it where you don't necessarily see what's coming. And I've never seen anybody that actually watched it walk out and say, I didn't enjoy any of that. Everybody, I've, I've got to watch it. It is and it has a good ending. A yeah. preposterous ending, but a good ending. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, but it's just so uh, fun to watch. And I said, ignore the James Woods of social media. Watch the film for what it ignore is. Ignore Videodrome. Um, don't ignore Videodrome. Um, yes, ignore Videodrome. Um, oh, God. Hold on, and now I just want to the line from Family Guy. Uh, See, so I had James, sex with that VCR. James, does this, does this have any nudity in it? Yeah, I'm nude for a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, okay. Uh, anyway, um, but Digstown, I never got a big hit. Never was anything. No. But any, it came and went. I've never seen anybody that watched it that didn't say, no, it's fun to watch. Yeah. It is just a fun movie. So, Digstown replaced what I was going to talk about because I was sitting here going, if I don't talk about Digstown, I'll be mad about it later. So, Digstown, it's just a fun movie. Go watch Digstown. Then right. the gray zone to bring you back down. I think I'm going to be doing the most recent Hidden Gem in that it was released in October. Last week. Like, like seven months ago or how would somebody do the math? The um, Maze Runner. Huh? The Maze Runner. No. Um, Ricky Tiki Tabby. I'm going to start with two, the, the stars of it Peter um, Rabbit, Steve Buscemi, Jason Isaacs, Michael Palin, Jeffrey Tambor. The Death of Stalin. Oh, yes. The Death Did you watch Stalin. it? I watched it and I loved it. You know, I've, I've heard mixed things, but keep going. So, I wanted to go to the Kentucky scene. I didn't make um, it, but I know what you're talking about. So the death of Stalin, it's it's a it's a comedic take on events that actually happened right after Stalin's death and the power struggle that took place to take over the Soviet Union and communism. Um, Steve Bush, Steve Buscemi played, and it, this is the best part of it. These are all Russian figures, and they're all played by people from different countries. So Michael Palin, 
I think, was the Secretary of Defense. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor was the one who was technically supposed to succeed, um, take over power after uh, Stalin left, and then uh, Steve Buscemi plays Nicholas Khrushchev, mm-hmm. who obviously went on to take control over Russia. And it's all about these these major figures in communism and in Russia struggling to take over power of the country in the in the the hours after Stalin died. Um, it, it there are and then Jason Isaacs comes in later and he's like the the head of the military and he is absolutely hilarious. Does a deadpan. Um, do they do Russian accents? No, they do. None of them do. There's no accents. Steve Buscemi is Steve Buscemi as Nicholas Khrushchev, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. Do I Khrushchev? And I mean, it's Michael Palin playing the 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 Secretary of Defense for Russia as Michael Palin. <laughs> you know, um, the the one downside is the last 15 minutes goes a little dark. But I was watching the movie and I kind of figured it, they're they're actually doing a what I think is a mostly accurate portrayal of the power struggle that happened. Of the actual event. Because insanity, if if people watch this movie and see the insanity that happened as people were trying to take over after Stalin's death, your 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 jaw just drops, but you can't help but laugh. And then the last fifteen minutes is just holy crap! Where where did this movie go? Mm. <laughs> Um, it's direct, uh, the director is... But it's based on actual events. It's so based we, on we actual events. We know where events. it went. Yes. Um, so, if you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Putin on the Ritz. Ritz. Oh. Putin. It was a Putin joke. Yeah, I didn't even goes, see, and I didn't even see it coming. But, Have uh, you seen the meme where it's Putin riding a Ritz cracker? No. It's a GIF. You can find it. GIF, GIF, whatever you want to pronounce it. I thought it was GIF. Anyway. It's graphic. It's um, GIF. I just feel like with all the all the movies that came out um, around the same time that Death of Stalin came out, it didn't get the it didn't get the attention that it deserved. Mm. Is it a great film? No. Is it a flawed film? Yes. Is it entertaining? Definitely. Mm. Um, and I feel like it will just be. It's going to be one of those movies that's just forgotten. I feel that way about Harry Brown, by the way. Another movie I saw in Kentucky. I have no idea what that movie is. Harry Brown's Michael, Michael Caine. Oh, that movie, yes. It's okay. very good, but nobody saw it. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed The Death of Stalin, and I feel like it's a hidden gem. Okay. And it will, well, it's not a hidden gem yet, but it will be. Is it my turn? Yeah, go for it. Are you going to top Digstown? No. no I don't think anything about... What, Haley's saying no? No, I'm done. If you have another one, go for it. last. No, let no, Go ahead. Do we, go we, ahead. Are we going to time? She just got to look go, it up. Go, I could have already done fact-checking you all. Oh, all right. Really quick. I want to do two. That's just quick. Oh, man. One, because it came up, I really think people should go out if you're a fan of, because I think this is one that's, that's kind of forgotten, too, John Landis's Innocent Blood we were talking about. Today. Okay. I think people should check that out. It was He did a werewolf film. It was called American Werewolf in London. No one ever saw that picture. <laughs> yeah. It did nothing. No. Went nowhere. Naked Man saw my movie. Yeah. That's all that ever, anybody ever remembers. <laughs> Nobody remembers anything else. There's definitely no special effects in that worth checking out. Yeah. By Rick Baker. So he did another movie called Innocent Blood, which isn't as good, but I love it. This one is, I struggled with this because technically this won Best Picture. Technically this won a bunch of awards. But I don't you know. You're going to talk about Marty. No. <laughs> Sorry. Although I love Marty, like, but nobody knows Marty. Nobody knows Marty, but I lo- I loved Marty. I love Patty Chayefsky. Oh my God, network. Anyway, 
Moving right along. Did I wanted that, didn't it? The Best Years of Our Lives is a movie about World War Two. Yeah. It was directed by William what? what? I've never heard of this. There we go. All right. You've never, you've never really? Never never heard it's almost three hours long. You've never seen The Best Years of Our Lives? No. Oh, my God. All right. It's the only movie we've talked about tonight that I haven't heard of. It was directed by William Wyler. Billy Wilder was asked once who the best director was. Billy Who's Wilder he? of the apartment. <laughs> and oh, Gene Wilder's brother. Ah, he's a writer director, and he was asked who and some like it hot, and he said William Wyler, and that was his contemporary. And people said, "Why William Wyler? Because he because he's stupid." That's a terrible Hungarian accent. <laughs> What do you mean he's stupid? He's stupid. The rest of us just show up. We were geniuses. We just know what we would do. Yeah. But William Wyler would work on it for hours and hours and hours before he'd show up. William Wyler was the best director, he thought. The And there's a lot of other movies, and I'm going to get into them. Best Years of Our Lives is about PTSD when it really wasn't talked about at the time. And it's shell shock. And, and, it take, and it's three stories about three men who come back from World War II at different places in their lives. One's more middle-aged. The other two are younger. They both bring back baggage. <clears throat> well, one, yeah, they have clothes and stuff they have to bring back with them. One's married. Jeez. The other one isn't going to be married, but is in love with somebody else. And then the third one uh, lost his hands. He was played by Harold Russell. Harold Russell is the only human being in America or any time to win an Academy Award for the same role. He won two Academy Awards for the same role. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. William Russell was actually, Harold Russell, was actually nominated for it because he actually did lose his hands in World War II and he used two claws. And William Wyler had hired him to do, do some training for some actors and then liked his natural appeal so much that he made him, cast him in the role and changed it to the guy not having any hands. <clears throat> the Academy that year knew he had been nominated for Best Supporting Actor and they didn't want him to feel bad so they gave him a special Academy Award for heroism and being able to bring these stories of whatever it was called. And then the bastard ended up winning the Best Supporting Actor, which is amazing. But nobody remembers deserved. that. And deserves. And if and you've never deserved. seen The Best Years of Our Lives, it is, it, is, it is exquisitely shot, it's exquisitely written, and it's beautifully acted. And it's about three men coming back from war and trying to just learn how to be men again and how to adapt their lives and how to learn to deal and cope. It's a prequel to Deer Hunter. <laughs> it's a little less depressing than Deer Hunter, but, but it's uh, there's I mean it's <clears throat> it's emotional. It's emotional, especially Harold Russell with the hands of being in love with another woman or being in love with a woman and then does she really does he really want her to be with him because in his mind he's a freak. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of great scenes. There's a great scene that takes place that actually happened to William Wyler. He worked for, of course, like a lot of Hollywood did during World War II. He did his part. Yeah, there, there's, a great, there's a great documentary called Five Come Home uh, on Netflix. It, it, he is one of the, it's about five directors who went into World War II and what they did. John Ford, World War II. William Wyler. Um, uh, Frank Capra. Frank Capra. Um, I'm blanking on the other two. Um, but uh, it's very fascinating. About uh, pro anti-semitism uh counter there's a thing at a lunch counter and the guy gets basically to throw him john out. ford yeah john ford anyway just watch it check it out i i'm i think if you're a film geek or a film buff although i'm sad that chad's never seen it and i don't mean sad as in criticism i just can't believe he's never seen it i've never seen it or heard of it i think most people have seen it but it, it 
it's one of those that I once uh, every couple of years it'll be on TCM and I'll try to DVR it and watch it because it's almost three hours long and that's that's a lot, but it it's just a slice of that part of America of that part of the greatest generation coming home and having to learn not to be warriors anymore and having to deal with the day to day life well uh, and and what love and what isn't and there's some great lines the wife in it when she's talking to the the. How many times have we had to learn, how many times have we fallen out of love and had to learn to be in love again? And it's just, there's so many great lines, so many great shots, so many great scenes. Well, William Wyler, best years of our lives. You, you talk about the slice of life, and I, I don't want to get off on another tangent there, but you know, I was saying the other day that some movies that are classic, that if you don't understand what was going on when they were made, I was saying specifically about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, you don't know. That progressive... That we hear progressive now, and it means something different. But there was that probably three-year period where that really meant something, and his encountering the dirtiness of politics and all that stuff. We look at it now, and if you watch it, you're like, man, eh, it's quaint. But if you watch it and understand what was actually going on now, and that you did have this grassroots movement that he was supposed to represent, and then he encounters it, I don't know. It. I mean, and the word progressive wasn't as but oh well. Then in the fifties we had the Red Scare and didn't yeah, be called yeah. anything. So, I anyway we're getting off topic. Best years of our lives. Check it out. And like I, I don't know if I should have ended on that. I don't know that but, it's a well, hidden gem. It's just I wanted to do something that hadn't been made in the last thirty years, and I was trying to think of a great I, movie that I don't hear about because I love Touch of Evil. I love Orson Welles. I love yeah. Citizen Kane. I love the Philadelphia story. I'm trying to think of just other great films that I love that are still in black and white. But I see people talking about those a lot. I don't know that I hear a lot about it. No, no, I was about to say, well, speaking of Orson I discovered Wells, it in grad school. F is for fake, <coughs> we mentioned in passing earlier, but that would actually be something else I'd like yeah, to talk about. Yeah, F is I mean, for fake maybe in another episode. There's there's tons of more movies. This is our second part to this. We'll probably come back to this topic. And what while we're talking about that, please actually comment and tell us what one's... That you think as well. What did we, we miss? Bonehead what would do like you to, think we should watch? That are hidden gems. And and actual think about it. Don't just think about, oh, actually take some time. Because it, we spent hours on this. And we have a list of, what, 20 apiece that we didn't even talk about. Yeah. So yeah. Twi tweet us, Facebook us, message us on Instagram, wherever you'd like. And let us know what some of your hidden gems. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. And if you're watching right now on YouTube, it's over in the left-hand corner. See, I got right. it right this time. It's right. 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 Why do I have right. such a hard time with that? It's left to me over here, but if they're watching, it's over here. Mm. Anyway. It's, um, the, it's your good ankle. It's the side of your good ankle. That's my left. Oh, your left is your good ankle? Oh, my good one's my right. Yeah, I know. That's why I just said Well, the that. bad one's the left. Oh, but my look God. Look how swollen. No. Anyway. Please do let us know if, if there's some obscure films or some rare gems that we've missed. I'm swole, damn it. Surprise us. Let us know. Yeah. We'd love to. I, I will always take a film suggestion. So subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. This has been Bonehead, and we are out. Time for now. Time and money. Mainly just money. Welcome to Bonehead. This week's episode is... Hidden Gem. <laughs> start over, chat. The joke. <laughs> Welcome to Bonehead. This week's episode is... Hidden Gems. We're talking about movies that fell through the cracks. Not, not Jim, who's hiding behind the couch. Shut up, Jim!
episode two of this of movies that that people don't know. Shut up. <laughs> okay. Shut your harsh mouth. More. I said shut up, Jim. <laughs> You're a naughty boy, naughty, naughty. Somebody's right. gonna hurt my bad ankle. <laughs> All right, ahem, and serious faces. Welcome to Bonehead. This week's episode is Hidden Gems. You could probably about... find one if you put it in a jet penis. In a jet, in a jet penis. <laughs> What's a jet penis? <laughs> it's the one that delivers those Christmas trees, yo. We're talking about the dick first. <laughs> okay. Anyway. One more time. I jet penis Rob. just dropped off my dick for me. <laughs> <laughs>